Okay, everyone, let's be honest here. Whether you are living abroad or at home, having a financial plan is vital to charting your financial future. I know that some of us really don't like talking about money because it can be overwhelming, which is why you may want to consider speaking with the professionals at Smith Brewer Advisors. From retirement to investment management and estate and tax planning, an experienced financial advisor at Smith Brewer Advisors will help you create a plan to meet your financial goals. And what's awesome? They empower their clients to make the right decisions for their individual situation. To learn more about working with a fiduciary financial advisor, visit smithbreweradvisors.com. Proud sponsors of the Global Chatter podcast. Smith Brewer Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. A few years back, I interviewed Devin and Lawson Austin, who were a California couple that had decided to retire and move abroad to Costa Rica. They shared their decision-making process and why they wanted to spend much of their time living abroad. For me, it opened a portal because while I'm admittedly far from retirement, it was inspiring to see a Black couple who had made the leap. And so I became intrigued. Right now, it's estimated that about 12% of Americans have retired abroad. I believe it because the interest is only growing. The desire to be in a location with decent weather while letting your retirement dollars go further is pretty appealing. Which is why Joyce Barr is this week's guest. Joyce is the founder of Blast Tours and Coaching, an all-inclusive service that sets baby boomers on a life-changing course through retirement coaching to life abroad. Joyce leans both on her training and her experience, well, as a boomer who's retired abroad. And in her case, that would be Panama. In this episode, you will hear Joyce's story, which starts in the Midwest, before building a successful career in California and Georgia. You'll hear how and when she decided to pack up her house, business, and life to launch a new one in Central America. She also discusses the needs she sees with her coaching practice and how she serves those who want to retire abroad. Many of us dream of retiring especially somewhere warm with the beach nearby. But Joyce clearly has been brave enough to actually do it. Welcome to the Global Chatter. All right, so you are listening to the latest episode of the Global Chatter podcast. And while you're listening and 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 you're listening to this story, I know that some of you are going to start planning your own futures because have you heard from the intro, you know I've got one of my Black Expat coaches, Joyce Barr, who's here and I'm I'm going to let her say hi in a moment. And one of the things I was saying off air to her is that I love having different perspectives and I love having cross-generational folks on here because 
There are so many reasons why people go abroad. And I know she's going to drop some gems with the time why she went abroad and who she helps. And so, Joyce, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Amanda. I'm so happy to be here, girl, to share the word. Yes. She might she might be the hypest person I've had on here. And I've had some young people on I'm laughing. I no, get but, that. No, it's true. That. Like you, your energy, boy, you, you might be rivaling me. And I'm like, I, look, she ready. She ready. So I, you know, when I, whenever I start this, I like to give people just a location context. So for the people, let them know, where are you currently located? I am currently down under in the Isthmus land of Panama. Oh God. And I'm, I am excited to find out how you got to Panama. And so we're going to get to that story, but before all of this, you clearly got an American accent. So tell me, where did you grow up? All right. So I got that Southern accent too, (laughs) really, you know, let's be real. (laughs) I grew up in Chicago, you know, graduated high school. Um, Both my parents are Southern born. So I guess, Mm. you know, I, I picked that up very very naturally. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a city girl by heart. Um, spent a lot of time in the South. Yeah. So, so that really added, you know, it just regurgitated, you know, <laughs> and it got thick. It got, <laughs> and I'm in the South. So I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. What part, yeah. what part of the South were your parents from? Uh, my mom, Arkansas, and my dad, Mississippi. So did you and I and I feel like this is the story of many black Americans where especially if they grew up in the north and the Midwest and the cities. Did you come down and visit family a lot as a kid or did you visit grandparents or aunts or uncles or not at all? Well, that's you know, that's an interesting question, because um, the furthest south that my family and I traveled, you know, Mm -hmm. was um, we did try to go to to Arkansas one time. Mm-hmm. But we had a car accident on the way. I remember mm. that. It, it it was a minor fender bender, but but it it busted that trip. We we didn't make that that down south trip. Yeah. And so otherwise, the fathers that my family and I traveled was St. Louis. Okay. So you know, I wasn't one of those that took those those summer vacations down south to meet the cousins. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, really, really don't have a lot of extended family in the South. When I was in South Georgia for twenty years, yeah, that was strictly career. I didn't even have family. <laughs> wow. Okay, so that's a whole nother story. Another oh, wow. podcast. That's another maybe. podcast. <laughs> I know. I started say I started interviewing people, and realized that we go on these <laughs> tangents, and, and we go, yes. "That's another podcast story." But and, but and here's the reason why I did bring it up is that. For a lot of folks I know, sort of the early travel experiences they Mm -hmm. had was domestic, right? Mm -hmm. And it was often family related. But I mean, I mean, Chicago is different from St. Louis. It's not. I mean, they're both in the Midwest, but it's not the same place. Right. Uh, I I guess since it was fairly close, because I remember it being, you know, a four or five hour drive. And so, you know, we we would go visit family that that we had in St. Louis. Yeah. But my 
earliest memories or or desires of wanting to live outside the U.S., I was very small. And and, and it it amazes me. I just always knew as a young girl I would live outside the U.S. I had countries picked out and everything. Oh, tell me more about that. When when was the earliest time you thought you would live outside or at least travel outside the country? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, shoot, seven or eight years old, you know, second, third grade. I, I remember we would have these little class assignments, you know, write what you want to be and yeah. this and that. So, yeah, I said, yeah, I want to I want to live outside the U.S. I don't know where it came from, but but I knew I wanted to live in. Yes. <laughs> I wow. knew I wanted to live in Australia was on the list. And um, um, I can't think of the other two countries, but I had three countries wow. always where I wanted to live. Panama never did show up on that list, but, um, wow. you know, I love it here. Did you did you have any family members that you knew that had a international travel experience at all or no um not not a real close family member i do remember a cousin uh, a grown cousin he was military Mm -hmm. so he was stationed overseas and you know he had uh, a family that you know he acquired while overseas so that was the most international flavor yeah yeah Yeah, i was gonna say military is usually the spot where people Mm -hmm. go if they didn't have it they had a cousin or an uncle or an aunt or whoever was stationed somewhere so so tell me you were growing up in chicago did you did you go to school in chicago in terms of college did you work in chicago like how long did you stay in chicago before you moved okay great question so um graduated high school didn't go to college in, in the city. I went out of state. Okay. Went to the uni- went to University of Iowa. So I was one of those trailblazing African Americans. They were recruiting back in the day. Wow. Wow. You know, uh, I got a little I got a little scholarship the first semester I was there. Okay. Uh, and um and and so I left Chicago. I never returned to live as an adult. And uh, that was quite interesting for the family. Can I ask you a question? Because <laughs> these are the questions I ask people all the time. So we're going to talk about Iowa in a minute. <laughs> Set up the scene. What kind of community were you growing up in in Chicago? Girl, I was on the west side, honey. Straight up hood. Okay. <laughs> you know, I made a peer polish, the girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing. And so. Absolutely. You- love it. And you, you decided to go to Iowa. Yeah. And okay. I was really the only one from the West side that went to Iowa. Most, I mean, most I'm not, of- I'm not surprised, but like, I need you to, <laughs> I need you, yeah. I, I'm trying to understand what was the appeal for you? Because that's a big move. Going to college is a big move mm-hmm. and going from, I'm assuming a predominantly black and brown community, right? Or was it mixed? It was getting, it was getting mixed. There's a little story about that as well. I graduated from a high school, Austin High, on on the far west side when I was growing up, far west side. It's gone through a bunch of changes since then. I think I think it's all shuttered up right now. You know? Okay. But when I was there, we were we were transitioning. The high school was transitioning from a nearly all white high school yeah. to where I got there. We we were starting to make up some numbers. Okay. So by the time I graduated, we had totally flipped that high school. Mm. And and that was in a three-year period because I only attended three years and got up out of there. Wow. 
so so my going to Iowa from from this this mixed high school yeah wasn't that much of a culture shock and and I'm trying to remember what was it that really attracted me to Iowa I think it was partly because they were offering me a scholarship it was out of state I was gonna be away from home yeah, yeah. a good a good four hours away from home. And, and, um, when I went to visit, you know, with it being a big 10, it was bigger than anything I had ever seen. So, yeah. Wow. And so I didn't have any black schools on the list. I wasn't into historically black colleges at that time. And so how did your, I mean, I feel like you alluded to this. How did your family really respond to you kind of stepping out of the space you knew and going to (laughs) Iowa and then you didn't, and then you never moved back to Chicago. So how was that dynamic? Well, you know, they kind of just, you know, got out the way because they had kind of realized you <laughs> that know, you were going to do you. <laughs> I, I was going to do me. I was very independent. Mom said I was independent coming out the womb. So <laughs> she, so she kind of, you know, she supported me. Mm-hmm. If, if if she if she wanted me to stay close around, she didn't even. I didn't know. You know, she supported me in all of my endeavors. Um, unfortunately, she did not get to see me graduate college. Um, and that was one of the reasons I didn't return home, you know, so, you know, just bittersweet, but, you know, she she saw me grown, but um, shortly before graduation, you know, she passed on. So, Mm. yeah. What did you study at at Iowa? English and political science and party. (laughs) English, political science and party. <laughs> I was going to say almost the same, but not the yeah. same. I was political science and sociology. That party was not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was yeah. Not that. Uh, what, yeah. <laughs> what did you think you were going to do with that, with those degrees? What was your plans? I was going to go to law school. You said, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, especially, yeah, yeah. that's the. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, neither of neither of us went. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah. Just... yeah, trying to get into pre-law at Iowa was was more than a notion. I, I really felt, you know, I, I liked the party a little bit more than I wanted to study for that pre-law. Fair. I did manage to graduate, you know, four and a half semesters. So that was pretty good, you know, yeah. with the party and whatnot that I was going through. I got I got out. You got out. Yeah, I got out respectable. And um, so... I did pursue, once I graduated from Iowa, I went west. Like I said, I didn't go back to Chicago, so I went west to, to Hollywood. Did you? you? Know, I, went, I went west to L.A. <laughs> what were you For playing? a couple of reasons. Um, I want to hear them, actually. Yeah, a couple of reasons. Number one, that's where all of my mom's family, her sisters and my first cousins and and the bulk of my extended family, that's, they were in L.A., in California. Wow. Okay. And then also during my, my tenure at Iowa, I was dubbed the Hollywood. I was dubbed Campus Hollywood because of the party lifestyle. <laughs> so I said, well, let me go to Hollywood. Wow. <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the shades and all, girl. I was, I, those days. <laughs> it was the days. So, days. So what did you... Well, so you get to you get to LA. What was your plan? Did I didn't you may not have had a plan, but what were you trying to do out there? Just be. I was just being. I, I graduated school. I got out of out of that you know tough situation at Iowa. Even though I had fun, it, it was a tough situation. We were a small um, 
group of minorities on yeah. campus back in the um, mid 70s because I graduated 77. I went from 74 to 73 to 77. Yeah. And uh, so we were a small, close knit group. And, and I happened to be the only black in a lot of classes, which put a lot of, you know, uh, unnecessary, and, you know, stuff. And I was going to say for a really big, it's a, it's a, like you said, it's a D1, big t- it's a big yes. school. So being it's the only school. one is a lot. Oh, yes. Oh, a yeah. lot. I mean, I had to fight professors to get, you know, my, um, what I felt was unfair treatment as far as them not understanding me because I'm in the English program, right? Yeah. So I'm taking creative writing courses. I'm, I'm doing, you know, this play and that play and they would have trouble with my diction, with my vernacular and, you know, right. just trying to repress, you know, the West side, <laughs> you know, right. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I, I remember a couple of instances where I really had to fight, you know, for a decent grade. You know, I know this is better than a C. I'm sorry. You just ain't going to see me out. No, right. no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I was getting A's and B's in high school. Right. Okay. Right. We don't do C's. Right. All right. So, you know, when I got to LA, I, I was just, I was, I was glad to be done with Iowa. I was among family. I was still mourning the loss of my mom, so I was among her relatives. And yeah. um, then I then I got to looking for work. So uh, so I was just very business minded about that, and because uh, I didn't want to live on my auntie's couch for too long, right. so I had to hurry up and get get some work so I can get me get my place, place right? Because yeah. you know you ain't got to go yeah. home, but you can't stay here forever, right. at least on this couch. So, right. so tell me, what does a what does a young person in the late seventies, mid late seventies do in LA when they what what work did you find? Like, what is it that you ended up doing? Yeah, um, I ended up starting out as a legal secretary. You know, interesting. I interest, yeah, I had this interest in law. <laughs> yeah, and oh, they was paying good salaries too. I mean, uh. you know, all you had to do was type real well. Well, I, you know, I could do that. Yeah. So I found that to be very interesting. I ended up working with a couple of very prominent lawyers. Uh, I, I managed to figure out that if I if I quit and left every six or seven, eight months, I'm bumping that salary up. So I did that for about a couple of years, that, man. That is kind of yeah. accurate. I mean, that's what's happening right now, right? Yeah. Is that they're saying with Gen Z is that they're not staying if no. they find something better and people are like, well, what happened to people who stayed for 30, 40 years? And I'm like, I feel like that was a segment of society <laughs> that did that. Oh, there were also people like you figured out, yeah. I got to be here that long, at least as a young person. Right, right. I, that, those were really good, good times when I figured that out because, you know, with it just being me, I started, you know, was really liking that lifestyle. I was able to get my apartment. Yeah. I was able to get me a nice little car, um, um, eat wherever I wanted to eat, dress. I had all the fancy Givenchy and all oh of that. So, yeah, girl. And, and I was a very good legal secretary. <laughs> I was so, going to say. Right. Yeah, and you did your job good. well. I did my job well. I was into it. I, I managed to get um, a paralegal certificate, which which helped bolster my qualifications. So uh, so I did that up until, well, I kind of got tired of legal secretary. So I said, well, let me go try sales. So I got off into sales for some reason. 
and wasn't as successful in sales, but, but you know, it was, yeah. I was padding my experience. So I, I sold postage media equipment. I sold Pitney Bowes, girl, downtown Los Angeles. I just wanted that lifestyle. Can, so can I, can I ask you a question as someone who has, A, I've been to L.A. many times, but mm-hmm. one, has not lived in L.A., and two, this is a very specific time period. What was... Removing the job, what was L.A. like for you? Because I guess it would be the late 70s, early 80s. And I would imagine just in my mind when I think about California, but particularly when I think about L.A., how diverse the population Mm -hmm. and the people are. Was it like that? Like, what was Mm -hmm. it like for you then? And and what were you seeing that was different that maybe you hadn't seen in Chicago and you definitely hadn't seen in Iowa? Right. Well, you know, at that time, L.A. was just popping. That's where everybody wanted to be. You know, that's why I was there. Um, I had cousins that were somewhat into the scene. So, you know, they always had an exciting party that we can go to where, we, you know, we can catch a celeb. You know, they was really into celebs. So, you know, it was always and and the disco scene was in full force, you know, flash dance. You know, yeah, we was just always out popping and partying. So um, those were good times. But, you know, it was frenetic. You know, yeah. LA is always going to be frenetic because it's just it's just this melting pot of so many different cultures and activities that you can take part in year round. So it's always uh, a beat going on. Now, Chicago was a little bit more, not quite as much because you know during the winter times you you huddled up somewhere because <laughs> right. right. you know. I remember partying in high school trying to come home from them parties, man. <laughs> you say this. I haven't even been in Chicago in winter. I think I was uh, there in a fall and the wind blew and I said, this is a whole lie. I'm not doing yeah. this. Like yeah. the wind blew yeah. and I said, nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, the, hawk, the hawk is no joke. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. Then, yeah. and then Iowa, you know, what well, that was just really like, culture Pacific, you know, we partied on campus, outside mm-hmm. of partying on campus. It wasn't a whole lot to do. We would get in the right. car and go to different cities and, and do the concerts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We did that. I imagine Iowa may not have changed that much in that regard. Yeah. And, and my, I think it's, it's not as good as, as it was when I was going oh, there. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, we were trailblazing. Yeah. Okay. That's true. That's true. We were trailblazing, and I think we got treated better than than a lot of what's going on on campuses today. I, I just don't understand what's going on. Yeah, really. no, I got you, and mm-hmm. and I just think that there's so many factors right now. You know this as a society mm-hmm. that are they're remnants of the past, and then they've also created new <laughs> mutations that mm-hmm. maybe, especially Black and Brown folks who came before, were like. This wasn't even like now it's weird because you're dealing with some other issues that I mean, yeah, we were minorities and we were first and we knew that this was the issue. But now you got these adjacent issues that maybe y'all didn't we hadn't even gotten that far yet to think about. But now it's like, yeah, this is this is wild. Right. And so did you how long did you stay in L.A.? At what point did you decide, Okay, I need to I need to leave. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was in L.A. for quite a while because I was a young woman, you know, 21 years old. I had the whole world ahead of me and I just felt like I was unstoppable. Yeah. Um, and for a while I, I was unstoppable. Yeah. 
and and you know I moved wherever I wanted to move to. I had a nice late model BMW, so they were popular. I was one of the first ones driving that little old stick 320i. So you know it wasn't nothing you couldn't tell me. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. But uh, at some point, um, I just said, "Oh, okay, this this isn't working." And I need to buy a house. So I knew huh. I wasn't going to buy a house in L.A. County anywhere. Um, and I this was, was a, and this was in the 80s, right? This was in the 80s. So you already, <laughs> y'all yeah. already knew. Okay. Housing market. I already knew. So, so I, I left L.A. County and then moved out to Riverside County where I was able to buy a house. And uh, I was there six years and uh, I was trying to climb that corporate ladder in county government because, you know, I had my degrees behind me at that point. By then, I had my master's in public administration. Mm, so wow. so I'm thinking I'm really going to, you know, go up into, you know, public sector and Riverside and, and, and really make my mark. You know, I was, I was very ambitious, career oriented woman buying into the dream. Absolutely. So I had my first house. In Riverside, it was a nice house. Um, I bought it under that um, uh, VA repo mm-hmm. program. So I yeah. was taking advantage of all that good stuff, girl. Had a, it had a pool. It had three bedrooms. Yeah, my family would come over and they'd go like, Because oh, you had a pool, right? Yeah, I had Especially a pool. Especially in your 20s. Wow. Wow. Well, I was I had just turned 30 by then. But still, you had a pool. Yeah, I, I, was, I had it going on. <laughs> really. <laughs> You know, I, I, a, a I feel, single woman. Yes. I feel like there's something in this story where you know, like, there's about to be a turn somewhere. I don't know where the turn is coming because right now I'm like, she got a house. She in Riverside, three bedroom pool. She's working it. She's making it. She got a BMW. Something's well, about to well, happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 <laughs> well. I, Amanda, honestly, it, it was it was my ambition and desire to to um, really be a boss or or, or corporate um, mover, yeah, shaker. I, I just had it in me, yeah. So um, after a couple of years where I wasn't able to promote within Riverside County as I felt I should. Yeah. You know, I had I had to take my supervisors to to the um, union board or whatever that was. That was a whole painful experience I went through because it was only me and, and the top boss with the MPAs. And you mean to tell me I, I just right. got to stay down here in this? Right. No, no, no. no. We I mean, that's it. part of the reason why you get an MPA is yes. to move is to move up and to have certain knowledge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So 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 the guy told me, well, we grow our own is what he told me. We grow our own. You know, I've been with the county a couple of years at that point and and it still wasn't enough. So that's when the pivot began to develop. I said, OK, I'm I'm, I'm experiencing the glass ceiling. Yeah. You know, boom, yeah. Bitty, boom, boom. Yeah. You know, um, I, I knew I had more to offer than what you know, I was at that time doing yeah. in public service. So I had an epiphany um, when the Habitat for Humanity founder, he came and gave a, a speak, a talk. Wow. Uh, Millard Fuller, he's since been yeah. transitioned, but he changed things for me. Uh, 
when I heard him speak about Habitat for Humanity and what that group was all about, I go, aha, because at this point I was working in Riverside County Planning Department. I was already handling the maps and other aspects of the development process. So I was getting interested in developing. You know? yeah. So here, here, here was an opportunity to uh, build houses. So I, I joined the local volunteer chapter and and got a couple of families housed in, into some houses that that we oversaw and built and and um i decided that it was time to go so i decided to put my house on the market and move to south georgia and join habitat for humanity and that was like the perfect <laughs> connection because i was sitting here going how did she get to georgia then you said habitat and i went ah uh-huh. there, there it is america's georgia America, America, C U S. I know, I know. Yeah. How long is this little place? <laughs> right. Oh. How long were you? You were in Georgia for what? Twenty years? Oh, I was in Georgia twenty-two years, girl. Was it all with Habitat? No. But that no. was, but that was the that, impetus. That's that got what got me there. Yeah, I I stayed with Habitat if it was a year. Okay, if it was a year. And um, it was just a lot of different uh, political stuff that was going on. And, and I've always been the outsider. I've always been different. I just don't follow the lead that easily. Yeah. So, I think we could tell. We can tell. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need to explain. We got that. <laughs> so, but, but it was a great experience. Um, and and um, I left on good terms with them. And I, I did stay in the area. Yeah. I didn't leave America, so I stayed in the area for another three, almost four years. It, it was not that was the culture shock coming yeah. from Hollywood to America. <laughs> okay, you, you can make any move if you can go to like deep yes. Georgia. I say deep Georgia, northern oh, Florida. Girl. You know, there are deep. a couple of places, parts of Mississippi. Deep. If you can make that move from anywhere, you can go anywhere girl, else. You can be feeling me then because I was right down in that southwest little corner of Georgia. <laughs> oh, Lord. Right on the border of uh, Florida. I mean, Tallahassee was 45 minutes from me. So, That's the big yeah. city. Yes, that was the big city. <laughs> so, yeah, I was there and, and um, I started a nonprofit. After I left Habitat, and that nonprofit went on to build over 200 units under my direction and orchestration, and that's what kept me in Georgia for 20 years, a nonprofit. So we're back from the break and, you know, obviously you just heard Joyce talk about how she got to South Georgia and I was asking her off the, <laughs> off the air. Cause I'm, first of all, I, for someone to willingly move to South Georgia, and this is not a knock on Georgia, <laughs> but it's not Atlanta. It's just like when people think about Florida who don't live in Florida and they think Miami, but then you like, yeah, but there's all this stuff above the panhandle. Right. And so I, <laughs> I'm trying to connect some dots because we're all sitting here trying to figure out, well, how did she get to Panama? And so I'm going to let Joyce tell the story. So 
at this point in the story, you've built a nonprofit, you are building affordable housing, you are in Georgia. At what point while in Georgia did you decide, I want to go abroad? Yes. Well, Amanda, you're right, girl. I mean, 20 years I'm in South Georgia and I just look up. I'm going like, man, all right. You know, got five properties. You got over 200 units. Everything's looking good. Let's go take a break. Mm. So I took a break because all I was doing was working. Yeah. And uh, somehow I got interested in foreign locations. And, and so I did this seminar with Live and Invest Overseas because I'm not really knowing anything. So I subscribed to one of their magazines. I ended up going on one of their little uh, presentations. It was in Nashville. Mm. So I drove up up to Nashville to do that. And then they were having a trip to Panama. So I signed up because it just sounded so good. Yeah. So so this this was like 2014, like two years before I actually you know took off. Yeah. So, so I came down to Panama 2014. Um, it was, it was like a little respite away from all the hard work that I had been doing. Um, I was still able to, to keep an eye on the properties because I had cameras on all the properties. So I was <laughs> literally, able, you know, yeah, literally, you know, okay. pull them up on the computer and see what was going on. Um, but I spent six weeks doing, you know, let's see if this will work for me, you know, Panama. That was the year when uh, President Obama came. Mm. I was in I was in Panama when he came that year yeah. when they had the uh, the conference, uh, the Latin American conference or whatever that was. So I enjoyed that visit. I get back to the states and um, I'm still working. And then I'm coming to find out that you know the very little support that I had, I, I wasn't even getting that. So one of my favorite mottos was. Uh, take your best shot. I'm still going to be here. You know, a lot, a lot of my tenants didn't care for the strict uh, rules that I had in place from, from keeping, you know, the, your litter. We don't do litter, you know, to, we don't do living boyfriends, you know, so I had this long list that we don't do. Yeah. And so, you know, got was getting a lot of resistance, not a lot of support. And I just looked up and said, you know, this is 20 years. You got this big old house you done built as well, but are you happy? Yeah. You know, I'm walking around a big old house. I'm, you know, don't have anyone I can really socialize with, relate to, personal life. All that I was sacrificing for career, for developing, mm. you know, for being in service. And so that was all good. I, I don't regret any of it other than the fact that, like you mentioned off off mic, that was a hard move. Now, would I do that again? Would I consciously move to South Georgia with no support like I did and, and maintained for 20 years? No, mm. but I was thankful for the strength that, and the grace that was given me to survive that. Mm. So 2016, I look up, I'm out of here. I start making moves to divest the nonprofit, my management company. Uh, I, I tried to put the house on the market initially in 2016. Uh, wasn't able to sell it the first time around, but I took off anyway. <laughs> left the house left the house vacant for a year and just took off. Drove across, across country, went to um, Canada. I was up in Canada for six months, came back through Seattle, 
Then I made my way back down to California to visit my folks again. So by, by this time, it's, it's early, 28, early 2018. And so I get back, no, 2017. Yeah. So I get back, get back to South Georgia early 2017, and I make serious moves to sell the house because I'm, I'm getting up out of here. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So for that last year, I was in I was in South Georgia, but I was no longer the, the landlord. I was no longer the employer. I was stealth. I was incognito. I didn't even want to go to the to the supermarket unless somebody saw me. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so go ahead. I was gonna say, you know what's what's really funny about hearing you describe this is that this is <laughs> there's an interview that I probably would have ran before by the time this one runs where they were they they are a younger couple. They're 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 younger than me, younger couple, and they talked about how they like when they woke up on the day that they were like, We're we're gonna go abroad. It's like the similar it's the similar path, but it's interesting because they were, I think, in their twenties and then they were about to have a you know, they're about to have a baby, and they're like, Yeah, I just I just did we did the things and we mm-hmm. we 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 got on the path and it's it's yes. it's interesting to hear someone at the who has had an extended career built a very successful career and then say you know what I'm going to do first of all I'm going to drive across <laughs> I'm going to drive across the country and I'm going to go to Canada and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to get rid of all my stuff I did girl That's like some 21 year old ish like I just want you to know <laughs> And and to this day, I'm a minimalist because, you know, what I what I went through to, to, to get, get rid of everything. everything, I said, all I'm going to do is travel with three no more and four suitcases now. So that's that's how I came to Panama with four suitcases. I that was it. was a minimalist for the long. So third yes. culture kid. I was a minimalist for a long time. <laughs> and then I bought my first house. And then all my TCK friends actually started to freak out because they're like, wait, does this mean we got roots? Does this mean we got to stay in the same spot? And so I started acquiring stuff. And then when I moved to Doha, Qatar, I had to get rid of everything. And I was like, this is really annoying trying to get rid of furniture. Yeah. Right? Well, you just give stuff away. Right. You don't even want to haggle and barter just and bargain. Take it. Just take I was like, just, you get yes. you get the entire chest if you take the dining table. It was like an insane, like <laughs> you bought the dining yes. table, but you got this whole thing for free. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So how long did yeah. it take you to like get rid of and get prepared to go to Panama? Well, when I got really serious, um, when I returned back to Georgia, because, you know, I had to return back to Georgia to sell the house yes. and, and regroup at that point. Um, that, and that was a year's effort. So by then I was um, getting my certificate to coach. I had decided that's what I was going to do now. I was going to go from developing to coaching, yeah. which I felt was a, a pretty good segue. Yeah. And um, just started, uh, doing things to the house to make it, you know, more marketable Mm -hmm. um, and just really preparing myself, going, going through those motions, doing that work. But it was the political scene, of course, uh, that prompted me to say, I'm done. I'm done with the U.S. There's not another U.S. city I want to go to because, you know, look, I've been to most of all the major cities and have lived in quite a few others. So, um, I said, okay, I'm, I'm I'm going to Panama. I really like Panama. I had also looked at Belize. 
I had looked at Portugal, mm-hmm. but Panama for me was was checking all of the right boxes. They had the, they have not had they have the best retirement program. So mm. to all your listeners who are in their retirement zone, you guys need to consider Panama. I mean, because your your retirement dollars will stretch, mm. and you'll have a more tranquil and peaceful life-affirming. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is what I experienced here in Panama. My my deal, on, my motto on my Facebook page is peaceful in Panama, honey. <laughs> this boomer had to blast. I had to get out. <laughs> so, so let's talk about this. So as, you know, as people think about retirement, right? And and probably one of the biggest concerns, I mean, one of the things you plan for, hopefully, is the financial piece, right? To be able to have the funds and and to be able to have the kind of life you want in retirement, I- irrespective of where you live, right? That don't matter whether you're in Panama, right. the States, whatever. Like, for you, what did the planning look like? Like, because you mentioned three distinct countries, right? So you looked at Belize, mm-hmm. you looked at Panama, you looked at Portugal. What's kind of the early step for you to look at was... What are my, what's my money? What are my assets? What do I have? And and to figure out based on the quality of life you wanted, what countries would fit in that? Or was it for you, you went to Panama and you already kind of felt immediately that was a place that your money could go further and you could live a life there? Right. The, the latter, you know, or, or, or even Belize, but, you know, because Belize was a close second. Um, but I felt I really didn't have resources enough to allow me to live as comfortably in Belize as I would in Panama. Mm-hmm. Um, but since it was, it's just me being single and 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 with my history of easy come, easy go. Yeah. You know, remember as a legal secretary back in the day, if everybody needed more cash, I just went and got me a higher paying job. Right, 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 right. No, so, totally. So, 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 yeah, so I've, I've always been very cavalier about my finances, but with it being just me, you know, it, it has always worked out. So I had my house, I had my, I had the profits from the house, I had the profits, profits from the business, and, and I took out that, that social security at 62. I wasn't going to leave it behind. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> right. So, I mean, it was yours. So with all three, yeah. So with all three of those resources, I felt comfortably enough to, you know, just take off the Panama and it, and it has worked out. So now I'm trying to develop where I have income to just will allow me to travel yeah. and, and maintain my minimalist lifestyle. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm about minimalist, but only what I need. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's just the travel for the most part until pandemic came down. Right. So. And just killed yeah. that dream for a minute. Yeah, I just, just cut oh my little God. sales a little bit, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm just patiently buying my it's time. Good. Look, I, yes. I went to the DR a few weeks ago. You can <laughs> think you look at, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, that's yeah. the first flight I'd been on in a minute. And I, who did I tell? I don't know if I said this on air. It doesn't matter. I about cried when I got an email from Delta because Delta said, oh. welcome back on your first flight since the past. I was like, see, this is why I'm a member of the Sky Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Well, you better than me. I have not been on the plane since pandemic. I, 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 yeah. I was like, I missed y'all too. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I missed y'all. Yeah. I missed all That's of this. Great. So I can look forward to that. Oh yes. my gosh, they were so nice. And so, and I think you, you've already, you started to touch on this. 
you are a coach. And so it looks like you, you, yeah. you, I, what I love is that I feel like you're diversified your income too, right? Because it looks like there are new yeah. things that you're doing now that are different than what you did in your main career for a long time. And so what made you make yeah. the shift into coaching? Well, I made the shift into coaching when I was still in the States, because even though I had walked away from development, mm -hmm. I wasn't really ready to just say I was retired. No, because okay. that's never really been a word in my vocabulary. I always felt and still do that I will be in service until, you know, I'm no longer able to do anything. Gotcha. But as long as I can do something, yeah. I'm going to be in service. So right now that's serving through a digital nomad type format. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm a digital nomad. Panama allows for online income. It's your income, honey. They don't, you know. <laughs> they don't care. It's, it's just They yours. don't care. So that works for me. So I've developed an online coaching program and I also provide look-see tours for those who really, you know, want to come check Panama out. So that's how I'm starting. It's been up about a year now. It's called BLAST, yeah. B-L-A-S-T, Tours and Coaching. And so the tours is specific to Panama right now, but I, I can coach you to go anywhere, your international um, location that, that you prefer. And and I like, first of all, I love the fact that you have embraced the digital nomad label, because once again, when we think about who a digital nomad is, right? Almost always we, are, we tend to think somebody in their 20s and of a yeah. certain, you know, certain age or whatever. And I, as I said to someone the other day, there are people who are single. There are people with kids. There are families. There are retirees. There are, you know, there are people who worked three careers mm -hmm. and now like anyone can be a digital nomad if you know what your yes. niche is. I always have to say that caveat because it's it. not easy, That's but right. you can do it. And so. That's yeah, that's right. super wild, though. I love it. Like, I'm, I'm just yeah. like, she a digital nomad. I'm like, look. Yeah. I bet she, and I bet that's not yeah. something people would necessarily think if they didn't know you. But that is that is mm -hmm. what you do. And so mm -hmm. so what is it that I, I imagine? And, I, and I'm not saying that this is all of your clientele or who you target. But do you get a, a, a portion of your clientele that are retirees or people who are thinking or close to that stage? Absolutely. That's my ideal client. That's my niche. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm that ideal client. You know, that's, that's where my, my expertise, expertise reigns. So, so that's, that's the, the secret to my success in terms of coaching. You know, I have to coach with, uh, I like to use the phrase undeniable authority, taking that from one of my mentors, yeah. you know, coach what you know. So I'm a single female boomer who's been career oriented her whole life to the point she sacrificed family and and a personal life to, to some extent. And so I was of a time where, you know, I know I'm not the only one. There were many of us taking that route where we felt we didn't have to go to college to find a husband. We didn't necessarily have to have a husband right. to have the life that we wanted. If, if we wanted to pursue a career, well, then that was going to be the foremost goal that we were after. That was me. Mm -hmm. And so even during those 20-something years I'm in South Georgia, critical time, you know, my early 40s to early 60s, you know, I just had my head and nose to the grindstone. Yeah. 
And and I look up and I go, okay. You know, you done been on the grind 40 plus years. And honestly, where is it you want to go and, and now semi-retire? Where is it now that you want to go and, and try to chill back and, and relax and not work so hard? Yeah. And there, there wasn't a place in the U.S. that came to mind. And more so because I really couldn't afford it. Yeah, I mean, I had a few dollars saved up, but it wasn't going to last me a lifetime at the comfortable lifestyle that I had grown to, Yeah, you know, that I had grown used to and had cultivated for myself. Yeah. So um, that's when living abroad really became an option because I'm researching, you find these gorgeous spots where you can live affordable on the beach. Uh, you know, what we would spend in monthly rent that could take care of all of your monthly right. expenses. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's something I want to say, but I'm not going to say because then everybody going to run there. So I'm a, I, let me just say I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. And there's plenty of places, yeah. not just Panama, not just maybe Portugal yeah. or Ecuador. You hear a lot about these places, Colombia, and all these places are great places where you can live better for less. Yeah. And what do you find? I and I like to ask this of coaches particularly, like when you're coaching a client, right? What are some of the common I'm going to say this in two ways. What are some of the common challenges that you find that they have to work through? Or what are some of the obstacles that they need to think about if they want to go abroad? Like, because I, this is what I find doing the black expat is that, and people have heard me say this ad nauseum, but there, there is, Mm -hmm. there is the picturesque ideal Instagram. And then there's the day to day, right? Like in terms of, and this is for any location, right? So it's just like you could be, yeah, I live in London and I'm taking a picture in front of Kensington Palace. But then there's the reality of just trying to navigate, you know, maybe the British system and it's something you don't understand. So what are some of the what do you think are some of the challenges you have to walk clients through to kind of understand and or at least expect when you take yourself out of your home country? And I presumably mostly in the U.S., but other places and you decide to move somewhere else as a retiree. Yeah, well, pre-move, I find my biggest challenge is, is, is the mindset that a lot of us as Black Americans feel that, you know, there's no other place than the U.S. You know, we just, we just refuse to think outside the box, think outside our comfort zone, um, even, even when you know or have family members, you know, mm-hmm. like my family, for instance, they're, they're not interested in hearing about you know, my experiences because they know that then they're going to wish, you know, they had the, the courage and, <laughs> and and the mindset to just say, dang, you know, the U.S. ain't all of this bag of chips. Right. Well, you know, hey, I got open eyes. So from the early 60s to 2016, I'm going, no, 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 no. This, this ain't working for me. Right. I need to take my little coins and go somewhere that I can make it work for me. So the mindset is one of the challenges on the pre-move. Once they do decide to make the move, I've had a couple of clients, they get here and they just, they want to bring all their U.S. expectation, all their U.S. That's the one. (laughs) That's the one, baby. Don't matter the age. That's the one. That's the one. So, you know, you try to be polite. You try to be gentle. (laughs) Be professional. 
you gotta leave that U.S. baggage back where it was, you know. So, but once you can get past that, then people start to relax and and, and enjoy being, you know, in the now. Mm. You know, that's what I find living abroad really does. It, it puts you in the present every day. Mm. Wow. You know? Yeah. No, and you know, I, yeah. I think that for many of us, depending on where you are, but especially in the West, we've got a rat race that we're often in. And then you go to places where time is a, t- they understand that time is a human construct. So, <laughs> so, right. so like, and that's the land. Your concept of time yes, right. and our concept of time right. is why we aren't moving fast and we're not going to move fast. So you get mad about us not moving fast makes no sense because it's not going to change. It makes no sense. It's not going to change. You know, it's not going to change. And so either you're going to be miserable <laughs> right. or you're going to go back. You're going to go back to the States, you know. And and so a lot of people that do not stay here, they, they go back for a lot of those reasons. You know, they can't they can't let go of, of their U.S. culture to embrace the culture of the guest country that they're now in. Mm. So why did you come here? You, you mm. come to do something different. If you come to expect what you left, then you need to go back. Right. And I, I man, that's really, I, and that's always the thing that's fascinating to me because this is an, this is an expensive exercise in not integrating with the society, right? Like just to move somewhere mm-hmm. and, and just be like, well, it's not the way I thought, but it's not, your brain has to let go, but this is not the country. Like it's not. <laughs> this is not. This is not where you just left. Right. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Right. This is not where you just left. So you need to leave all of that back there and come with an open heart, open mind, and be and be willing to assimilate and appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know what's here. You know, every country has its ups and downsides. Every country. For sure. And you just, I say this all the time, you just trade one set for another because they've got, the ups are better than the downs for you in that location. Right. Because at least you're making that conscious choice when you do the benefit cost. Yeah analysis yeah right yeah you say well this this is a this i have to have this this i have to have okay this is a sacrifice i'll make yeah yeah you know do you i, I guess i got two follow-up questions and they're they're not nec- they're not related at all number one okay. did you or do you speak spanish very little spanish i'm sad uh, sad to say um and it's only because of of uh personal concerns about getting the business and other things, but they're, those are just excuses. When I'm ready to get that Spanish on, <laughs> you'll get that Spanish. Okay. You'll get the Spanish. You know, as, as long as I got Google translate right. and, and a, couple, right. a couple of good local friends That's to help true. me out. It helps with a and, lot. And, yes. And then Panama in the city, it has a fairly good uh, percentage of English speaking people. But once you get outside the city, you really then you'd expect need you need to, Spanish. Right. And But I would certainly recommend going up on that Spanish. And yeah. I was going to say for you, just in terms of how you have a sense of community and where you've been, do you, do, are you, is your, is your community right now mostly Panamanians? Is it a mix of expats and Panamanians? Is it mostly expats? Like what's, what's your kind of social circle looking That's like? That's a great question. Yeah. Great question. So right now, um, my my circle composes of uh, a little bit of each. Mm-hmm. 
um, locals. I'm always trying to incorporate more locals into my circle um, because that's just you know the yeah. way I want want to spend my lifestyle here. Expats, sure. You know, I have a couple of good expat acquaintances that that we're working together and we collaborate on. But generally, I try to avoid the expat communities in terms of. I'm not going. I got a friend. I'm not going to put her on blast though. I'm going to tell her after this interview. Yes, go say say what it is that you need to say. (laughs) No, I just I just find them to be a little clickish, and 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 that's not what I come to live abroad. I I didn't come to live abroad to be clickish. You know, I come to live abroad to assimilate into the local culture. And to learn, and, and especially with Panama, there's a lot of melanated folk, you know, that that you can just warm up to and, and learn some Spanish. It, I mean, it's just great. So no, I don't. I don't want to just always be around American expats, you know. Because a lot of them, like I say, is carrying that U.S. <laughs> baggage, man. No, and you <laughs> and you're so right. And I and that's always that's a conversation I have with people all the time that I'm like. On one hand, yes, you have a cultural reference with someone who comes from... Well, no. You have a general cultural reference with someone who comes from the same country. You can still have had very different experiences in that same country. But but because, especially if you don't speak a language and you're still navigating, it's easier to gravitate. But then you are right. Then you forget why you moved to this completely different environment because you want it to integrate and you want it to learn. And so it, it, it is, it, I, if I tell you I've had this conversation at least twice this week with people in different countries, okay. literally it's the same thing. Everyone's like, nah, I'm trying to, I'm yes. trying to learn what the people here are about. I'm not necessarily trying to yeah. rehash or create a small, whatever version right. of a country that I came from. So right. now, now if you're lucky enough to come, come across a couple of like-minded individuals, yes. Like you, then it's then it's comforting. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. But, yes, but there, but a lot of people yes. are not like minded. I'ma leave no. that at that. No. Yes, <laughs> I, yes, yes. Go oh, without saying. I'm trying yes. to get myself in trouble because I yeah, I got I got some saying. major events coming up. But but oh, yeah, but, I'm feeling no, you. No, they, but they they yes. the people who know me know. But so this is what this is what I want to ask you as as we start to wrap mm-hmm. up. Um, occasionally I remember to ask this question. So I'm going to ask you these questions. Uh, just tell me what comes to the top of your mind. So for a first time visitor in Panama, what's one thing you think they should do? Oh, wow. Okay. Of course the canal, you know, you know, go see the canal. That's, that's the major draw. One of the seven wonders of the world. I get to see the ships line up right outside my window. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, apart from that, I would say um, Gamboa Island. You can take the, um, the 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 trolley and, and go through the rainforest and catch all the nature and all. That's that's just a beautiful uh, excursion. It's a lot of great excursions. But Panama Canal, Gamboa um, Resort Island. And then head to the beaches, babe. Of course. Number two. There are only three questions. Because I'm a foodie. What's one What's one dish, food item, or something you should eat while you're in Panama? Ceviche. Yeah, of course. Ceviche. Ceviche and some pantacones, of course. You know, I don't eat much fried, but I I'll will eat, eat pantacones. Yes. She didn't, yeah. she didn't even blank on the ceviche. Nope. You were like... First of all, that's what you need to eat. 
<laughs> yeah. And and third of all, and this is this is my last question. If you're coming to Panama, what should you leave at home? If you mean if you're moving? Yep. If you're moving to Panama, what should, should you leave at home? Uh-huh. Yeah, just, just lighten that load of all your U.S. expectations. Just lighten it. Yeah. You know, it's not going to serve you here that, that well. <laughs> you know, it's uh, just not going to work. <laughs> no, you know, and, and then just come and be free. Other, otherwise, certainly, you don't, you, you know, there's a lot of material stuff you don't need here either because you can you can get it here. So just so just pack light, have a have an open and light heart. And and then come enjoy paradise on this isthmus, <laughs> you know, south of we're like nine degrees south of the equator. The sun is hot here. I love, uh, yes, and- tropical weather, eight twenty four seven. Even during the rainy season, which is an eight month long rainy season, Amanda. But I love the rainy I season. I like rainy. I mean, know? I grew up in Cameroon in West Africa, so rainy season don't do anything for me. That's right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I like I because it can. You know what it's like when it <laughs> not to get on a tangent, but when it rains and it's warm, it's cool. It, you and and, it's, and especially if the sun shows up, like that's cool. It's this the thing that trips me out in the states is this cold rain. I'm like, this don't make no oh, sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it it oh, looks yeah. like I'm looking outside the window right now and it's overcast. So you talk about rain and warmth and sun, and I'm like, and and the tropical breezes, though. So my favorite thing about Panama is is the is the sunshine, those Panamanian breezes. They just lull you like a nice aphrodisiac. Sometimes I can just stand there with the warm breezes and just go, oh, ah. okay. And then the retirement discounts because they do have the best retirement program. So those were the top three reasons I came. Yeah. Um, and um, that's what I encourage anyone else who's looking to, to move over abroad. I'm, I'm going to certainly um, recommend Panama, but there's other locations as well that retirees can stretch their coins, those Social Security coins, honey. Don't don't continue to be lulled in that U.S. madness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a system that's just rigged you know you're not you're not gonna live your best life in retirement you know and if you've got ties okay i'm gonna coach you about those ties because those grandkids you can still love them grandkids and travel back and forth to see them grandkids but live your best life at this golden stage of your life okay and and any other ties that's mindset honey yeah yeah so let that go as well Joyce, you have been a discovery and an entertaining one, but you've been a discovery. <laughs> so, girl, you, you brought out memories. <laughs> brought out some memories. Me, yeah, you brought out some memories. So, yeah, it's been a pleasure. As I pleasure, and as man. I mentioned to our audience earlier, Joyce is one of our expat coaches. So, you can definitely find her on our expat coaching directory. Also, all of her social media and links will be in the show notes. It'll be on our website. I say this every episode. If you miss all of that and still don't know where to find her, literally, if you follow the Black Expat or the Global Chatter, we follow her. You can find her <laughs> in any of our social media. I say that because I know I say stuff fast and people are like, I didn't get it. Well, if you follow us and go through our list, she'll be easy to find. Start with our website. So, yeah. Joyce, thank you so much for joining me today. 
Oh, I'm so happy to be a part of the Global Chat Network. Oh my gosh, yes. no, I yes, this, this, the Global Podcast. This, this episode's for the for the for the future retiree and the current retired yes. and the ones who didn't think that they could retire abroad. So, I thank you for all the information and wisdom that you said. Um, like I said. I know if people have got questions, I know how to get them connected to you, but thank you again. Okay, honey. We'll love to stop. Yes. Thank you again for listening to the Global Chatter and we'll catch you on the next time. You've just listened to an episode of the Global Chatter, which is hosted by me, Amanda Bates. It is edited by Stephanie Ficcio. Don't forget to subscribe to the Global Chatter on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Global Chatter or stop by Twitter and find us at Global Chat Pod. If you have a question, want to subscribe to the newsletter, or are interested in sponsoring, visit theglobalchatter.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.